Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. We are having such a good yak here with uh, <laughs> our guest who decided to stay around that we actually got <laughs> we had radio work to do. <laughs> oh dear. Let me give you the next quiz clue. Our breakfast Bible quiz. Our second breakfast Bible quiz for the day. I'm actually quite excited about how we're doing this now, Lyle. Yes. Okay, who am I? Clue number three. I am the King of Salem and the High Priest. My name means King of Righteousness. If you know who that is, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. And today's prize is, uh, I'm going to give away two copies. So I gave away one copy. I'm going to give away a second copy of the very expensive, probably the most expensive prize we've ever given away. Uh, something to shout about, a wonderful cookbook, uh, Good Health Recipe Collection by Donna Green Goodman. It's actually an import book. So this has yeah, been sent all the way, f- I think, from the States. So... Yeah, if you want to check out some of her stuff, you can go to her website, which is www.stillshoutin.com. It's a really cool name. Still shouting. Still shouting. I think because, you know, she's getting along in years and, uh, and her, and her, um, her good health practices have, have kept her still shouting, still kicking and screaming, uh, into her old age. So still shouting sets, uh, without the G on the end, still shouting.com. Check it out. Well, doesn't it say something about, uh, yeah, it's cooking without cook, with it, without the G on the end. Yeah, yeah. Cooking, cooking up, up good, good health, health recipe collection. Something to shout about. Well, there yeah, you go. Still shouting.com. Very good. And I'm assuming that's a photo of her on the front cover? Yes, yes. That's how good she looks. What do you, what do you reckon her heritage is? Uh, I reckon she's like Caribbean American. Oh, I was going to go with Filipino. No, she's too dark to be Filipino. Some Filipinos are very dark. Are anyway. They? I don't know. Right. She's got she's pictures. American. It's she's a really great American. book. It's got pictures of a family in oh, there. Oh wow! Look at that. Yes, yeah, so it's got color photos to it, and it's very personal touches. That's, it's such a beautiful book because you know it has pictures of her family, has pictures of the cooking classes she does because she does cooking seminars, cooking classes around the world, and uh, has pictures of her family and shows you know that's cool exactly that she you know what she makes in this book is stuff that she's fed to her own family, so don't she knows see that it in tastes good. Yeah, and it's a yeah, it's a really beautiful personal touch uh, in this cookbook. Um, just seeing pictures of people actually eating um, the food that she's. Uh, she's uh, shared with us in the recipes. So here she's teaching a class. So these people are struggling, I think, with diabetes. And so she has a bunch of recipes to help them with uh, their diabetes. So yeah, it's a really cool cookbook. Uh, so definitely worth uh, listening to the uh, quiz and see if you can get it right. Well, there you go. If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. But right now it is time for our Encounter with God section, which means that we are going to get into our Bible study. And our Bible study for today comes from the book, The Song of Solomon. Mon, would you like to read for us uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 2? Oh, I'm not sure I do. This book is so racy. It always makes me blush. And then I have to read it on air, and it's even more awkward because I'm single. <laughs> Look, I got, I'm between two married well, maybe, people maybe, here. Maybe there's, maybe there's somebody <laughs> listening in today that can solve this problem for Mon. <laughs> well, you did not. <laughs> you did not just turn this show into a matchmaking endeavor. <laughs> oh, I'm so horrified right now. I'm just going to read the Bible. Did you say chapter 1, verse 2? <laughs> I did say chapter 1 and verse 2. How about our guests read that? All right, Leah, go ahead. Thanks, Leah. Okay, it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Yeah, I'm okay, just going to so sit here and crochet. Thanks, guys. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be part of this conversation. You don't get to. You don't get to dip out of this conversation. So, yeah, the question is: various aspects of love are presented in the Song of Solomon. Um, so, what what aspect of love do we find being presented in this particular verse right here? A physical aspect. 
Yeah. That's a very clinical way of saying that. Thank Monty. you. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to keep it very clinical. <laughs> very clinical. But it's romantic. Up. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's amazing. Is it? Yes. <laughs> it is. Verse 13, Mon, you can read for us verse 13. Verse 13, let me flick over the page and see if I can handle it. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. Well, there you go. Isn't that nice? You know, and so when you look at the Song of Solomon, it's, 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 there is, there is uh, romantic love, there is physical love, there is erotic love. All of these things are good things and created by God. And if the Bible didn't have these aspects, the Bible would be incomplete. Yeah, it's actually good to know that the Bible says that sex is good because, you know, in today's society, sex is so distorted and it's it comes with so many negative connotations. Um, I think a lot of people are actually going to be quite surprised to find that um, sex is actually a positive thing created by God for our pleasure, not just for procreation. And this is what you find in our world today. You find that you've basically got you, you, your two sides to the equation. You've got the world that says, you know, just do anything. If you like doing it, just do it. Just anything goes whatsoever at all. So there's that side of the world. Then you've got uh, the other side that says no, you know, uh, that, that take a moral stand, um, particularly those that take a biblical moral stand and say there are certain things that you do do and certain things that you don't do within this um within the whole sexual relationships and so you've got the one side over here you know do anything and of course the do anything side creates train wrecks wherever they go and then you've got those who say well don't do this don't do that and don't do the other and so the do anything side look at that side and they say well that's just a whole bunch of don'ts so you've got train wrecks versus don'ts. And so you think of a young person who is coming along and they are learning about sex, they're learning about morality, and they're faced with the don'ts versus the train wrecks. Yeah. And none of it looks appealing. Yeah, that's right. None of it looks good uh, because of the way it is presented. But when you go to the Bible, the Bible places sex in its right context where it is good and it is beautiful and it is wonderful and it is amazing and it is one of the most awesome things that God ever created. And um, a- a- and you see it in its true beauty. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And you find that, yeah, okay, the Bible says, you know, don't. Th- there are some things that the Bible says that you don't do and we looked at it uh, last week. There's actually very few prohibitions um, in the Bible in relationship to sex. But, you know, the biggest one is no sex outside of a marriage relationship. Mm. Yeah. Which is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And the amount of pain, I want you to think about the amount of pain and suffering and heartache that would be avoided if people followed that one simple oh, prohibition. Unbelievable amount of pain and suffering You saved. know, we, we were talking about this during the news segment where you've got uh, Georgia has just, you know, made this, this legislation, the heartbeat legislation that, uh, you know, uh, you can't have an abortion once a heartbeat has been detected at six weeks which is pretty strong legislation for the United States. And all these people that are up in arms about it, you know, if you simply did what the Bible says, no sex outside of marriage, just that one prohibition, just that one on its own, you would solve 99% of the problem right there. Yeah, and so many STDs and STIs wouldn't exist either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about, you know, um, you know having, having children within the, um, the marriage relationship, even when a child comes along and it's a surprise, you know, let's say that my wife fell pregnant. That would be a major surprise. But she's young enough, just, um, and 
So that's that's physically possible. That would be a major surprise. You know, my kids have grown up. They've they've moved on. We're past that stage. We're not interested in having children at this stage in our life. Um, we're sort of looking, you know, maybe 5, 10, 20, however many years down the track until we get grandchildren. I don't know. Oh, um, I think it's going to be 20, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of hoping not. I reckon within the next five. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at that stage. We're not at the stage where we want to be raising children. But if it happened accidentally, somehow, some weird thing took place and, uh, and she suddenly fell pregnant, it was like, great. You know, I think because we're in love, because we are married to each other, um, and also to note that child would would still have a loving family to grow up in. It's absolutely to have, to have both presents, uh, both parents present, which is the other big problem when you have kids at a wedlock that come as a surprise. Is you often end up with a single parent situation, which is not ideal for any child. Absolutely, and so if you just simply went with that one on its own, then uh, it would save so much. You know, um, one in four pregnancies here in Australia that end in uh, in, in, in abortion with a baby being killed. It's just um, it's horrific. Anyway, um, so yes, the Song of Solomon places sex in a great context. If it wasn't for the Song of Solomon, you could look at the Bible and say that all the Bible says about sex is don't. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. You, you could look at it that way. Um, and you could you could be tempted to think that the Bible has a negative uh, attitude towards sex. But there is an entire book of the Bible that is dedicated to you know, very positive views of uh, sex and sexual relationships. Yeah, it's not just like one or two verses. It's like, do you know what? There's a whole book on it. All right, let's go over to chapter 2 and um, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to read uh, chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. Uh, so we've got a number of other verses here that we need to look at in relationship to this particular subject. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, My beloved spoke and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, for lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, uh, the flowers appear in the earth, the time of the singing of the birds has come, the voice of the turtle is heard in, the, in our land, the fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Did you just say the voice of the turtle is heard? I did. That's not what mine says. What does yours say? It says, the flowers are springing up, the season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. That's much nicer. You know, I went back to read this again to see if whether it said the turtle dove. Because yeah. I, know what, I know what the turtle dove is. That's a bird. Mm-hmm. But mine actually says the voice of the turtle. Have you ever heard a turtle? That's what mine says too. No, I'm Seriously, just Seriously, go to on think. YouTube and look up noise turtles make. It's not pretty. They kind of have this little scream. Okay, mine, I have to ask. <laughs> Why do you know this information? Instagram. <laughs> they do actually make noises. They have this little like shriek. It's it's really ugly. So when you were like, <laughs> do they shriek with happiness or do they shriek with sadness? I mean, I, you can imagine a turtle shrieking when you you know pick it up and start to carry yeah, it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fear. Okay, it's a yeah, fear thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they have a uh, do they have a happy noise I, like when they I've see another little turtle? I've never a little turtle and they make a little turtle. No, happy turtle I've noises. never heard a happy turtle noise. I think they reserve noise making for um, fear. trying to deter predators. So yeah. 
Wow. Anyway. Last time I was in the States, we're driving down the road and just beside Lake Nokomis, there was the most enormous snapping turtle you have <gasps> ever laid eyes on. I mean, this thing was like wow. uh, 500 millimeters across. This is a massive snapper. And, uh, and she was digging in the gravel to lay eggs, but oh, no. what she didn't realize, she was digging the gravel right on the edge of the road. But she take your finger off? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A little a baby snapping turtle will take your finger off. This thing was enormous. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, I think we should go we with the cooing, the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. That's yeah. much nicer. Okay, so what, uh, what is it that uh, Solomon is proposing here? Uh, a little getaway by the sound of it. A little getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, a romantic getaway. Romantic interlude. And uh, romantic, a romantic getaway is always a good thing. My wife and I plan one every year. Mm-hmm. Um... Where you know at least at least once a year, uh, it's just a really really nice thing to do. Get away for a few days, um, and just spend time you know in each other's company. Yeah, full attention. Leah, you're a married person. Do you do you have a romantic getaway once a year or something like that? That would be nice. <laughs> All right. So here's my tip for the day. Seeing as I've been married a lot longer than you have, my tip for the day is. You need to plan a romantic getaway once a year. Do a make it a priority. I make do. it a, make it a non-negotiable. I do. And you know what's funny is that it was our four-year anniversary on Friday and we did nothing. Can wait you a minute. Wait I a had minute. all the intentions of... By the way, congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Your four-year anniversary on Friday of getting married. Yes. Your four-year anniversary on Thursday... Of being baptised. That's really cool. Amen. So you got baptised the day before you got married. I got baptised on the Saturday, married on the Sunday. No, nice. You know, I don't do things by halves. Uh, <laughs> you don't. You just don't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, I mean, we need to do something for our anniversary. And it's, it, it's really funny because when it was our six-month anniversary, when we were dating, not when we were married, yeah. I made this massive, like, collage and got it framed of all these photos of us. And then he got me, like, this little iPod thing, which was like, you know, this was back 14 years ago or something. And back when iPods were the thing. Yeah. And now it's our four-year wedding anniversary and we're like, yeah. You know, so you'll celebrate your six-month dating anniversary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, look, well, I was like seventeen then, or something. So <laughs> yeah, I really need to do that though. I really need to go away and spend some time, and maybe go to Thailand or something. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Now you're talking. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, this time of year it's a little bit cold down here, so you could head up to the sunshine. Yeah, or even like the Blue Mountains. It's nice and you know, set the fire and romantic. If yep. you go in the colder weather. Yep. Yep. But yeah, married couples should take note of what these verses say because you know King King Solomon is definitely um, exemplifying uh, that God wants us to um, cultivate and you know and really cherish and take care of our human relationships because you know He is a relational God and, and the way we um, cherish our relationships with each other should reflect the relationship we have with Him. So planning a getaway should not be like something that should be seen as frivolous or surplus um, within a marriage relationship. It should definitely be something that's non-negotiable and should happen every year. It reminds me of a, uh, a passage that where Hosea describes uh, what he wants to do with his wife. And so this is Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. That's kind of a nice word, you know. But like then he goes on her, and bring her into the wilderness, or in other words, take her on, on, take her on a wilderness retreat mm-hmm. and speak comfortably to her. That's old English. 
um, I will give her vineyards from there, the Valley of Acor for a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. It's really nice what he's planning to do here, but basically he's talking about taking her to a, uh, you know, a very beautiful wilderness location um, where, you know, surrounded by the, the, the amazing things that God has created and, uh, and uh, just, just spend some, you know, really quality time together. Amen. So um, for all of you who are in a relationship, make sure that you make this a priority. Make it a non-negotiable. Put it in your diary. Plan for it. And make it happen every year. Yeah. It's a really good thing. You can, you can do it more than once a year. I'm not, I'm not putting limits on it, but I'm just saying. You need to do it at least once a year. All right. Let's go to uh, – what have we got here? Next one I think is verse 16, is it? Chapter 2. Yeah, chapter 2, verse 16, Mon. My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Okay. And a very, very nice verse uh, that we have. Yeah, one of, they belong to each other. Yeah. A sense of belonging there. A sense of belonging and commitment too. You know, if you belong to each other, then there's a there's a very strong, you know, that, that, that concept of belonging is a, a very strong sense of commitment. If you have belongings, then they are not things that you just, you know, Walk away from, or dump, or leave behind, or anything no, like that. Things, things you take that, care of. Yeah, things that are important to you. Things that you have an actual attachment to, a very real attachment to. Okay, let's go over to uh, chapter three and verse eleven. Uh, Leah, what have you got there for us? Let's go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold, King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals, in the day of the gladness of his heart. What is what? What is she communicating here? Mine says, "Come out to see King Solomon, young women of Jerusalem." Yeah, so she's calling. She's calling the young women of Jerusalem yeah. to come out and to see King Solomon. Basically, to admire her her, her squeeze, and he, and then she uh-huh. says, "He wears the crown his mother gave him on his wedding day, his most joyous day." Okay. This is interesting sitting yeah. here in the studio with, with, with you two girls looking at this going, what is yeah. this all about? And I'm sitting here as a man and I'm like, I know exactly what this it's, is all about. Let me have a guess. Is, is, is it basically like saying he's just as happy with her as he was on the wedding day and then he hasn't, his affections for her haven't waned? I think that it's saying that, but I also see that she has a tremendous amount of pride in her husband. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she's saying, hey, look, you know, I, ha- king. I yeah. have, I, I've got the catch. I've got the catch of catches right here. And I think this is a really important thing for uh, for wives to take note of, you know, in, in the way that she is relating to her husband, because, um, you know, when for, from a man's perspective, for your wife to be in love with you, and for your wife to express how much she loves you, and for your wife to do that publicly and to other people is incredibly validating for a man. I mean. My wife said something like this, you would um, have a hard time getting my ego back to normal in the next <laughs> week, I think. But uh, yeah, this is, this is really validating from a, you know, from a, for a, from a man's perspective, um, how she is respecting him, she is looking up to him, and she is not scared to show that. You, know, you think about the opposite of that and what the opposite of that would do to a man where she was going around and gossiping about what a loser she was mm. married to. That would crush a man's soul. Mm, absolutely. And a relationship is never going to work if somebody's soul is crushed. 
Uh, let's see here. Oh, we've got a whole bunch of us. Let's go to chapter 5 and verse 16. Mon, must be your turn. 5 and verse 16. Let me get to the right page. 5 and 16 says, His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such, O women of Jerusalem, is my lover, my friend. Yeah, so once again, she is um, she's proud of her husband. And she's not scared to talk about the things that, you know, that she's proud of about her husband. Okay. In that context, we know that no person is perfect. No husband is perfect. Um, we're going to come back and talk about that right after we hear Melissa Rotto. Thank you. 
Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You're here with Mon and Lyle and Leah. I love it when I guests hang around and stick around for the end of the show, uh, which I'm very grateful for this morning because uh, Leah's helping me out with all the awkward parts of uh, Song of Solomon. <laughs> I don't Sing- think I'm doing a very good job No, you're doing great. I-, I love that I can just push things over to you. <laughs> Single life, man. Single life doing the Song of Solomon study. How about that? I'm going to give you the next clue for our who. And- oh, and actually, do you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to give you any more clues for the Who Am I quiz because it has been snapped up. Two prizes one day. Who what is going on Who this today? Who would thunk? We are definitely going to get in trouble this morning, Lyle, because it's our most expensive prize. We've just given away two of them. Uh, this uh, The quiz was answered by Andrada Phillips from Lara, Victoria. Congratulations, Andrada. You got it right. The answer, of course, was Melchizedek. Melchiz- yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly. Didn't I, Melchizedek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Andrada, you have a wonderful copy of Something to Shout About um, by Donna Green Goodman. Really wonderful cookbook. Which means, you know what this means, right? We have to start another quiz now. We have to start another quiz. Yeah, now or in the next segment. And we'll give another one of those, another one of these cookbooks away. Okay. So you better make it a hard one, Mon. I thought that was a really hard one. No. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So in the next section, there will be one clue coming up. It will be the only clue that is given out. Uh, from yeah. this quiz for today, so you better then, have your thinking caps on. And, if and you then want we continue the it the next day. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are we up to? We are in the Song of Solomon. Let's uh, read f- oh, well, a couple of verses here that I want to look at. Uh, Mon, if you can read for us uh, Song of Solomon chapter four and verse eight, um, and Leah, if you can read for us verse sixteen. So 4 and verse 8 says, Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Ammana, from the peaks of Sinar and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and leopards live among the hills. Okay, and Leah, can you read for us verse um, 16? Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and he... Eat his pleasant fruits. Okay, so you've got the uh, the two different spouses that are speaking to each other here, and they are both inviting each other to come together. Basically, you know, come to me this way. You know, come to me. Is there any force involved here? Like a love force. Okay, there is the love force. There is the love force, <laughs> but there is, they're not telling each other. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Are they? They're no, not pushing no, them in any way. It's like an invitation and then, yeah. It's an invitation. It's, yeah. And it's an invitation that's worded really nicely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very romantic kind of invitation. It's like, this is a really beautiful thing. Let's, uh, let's come together, you know. Let's, let's come and do this. And, and, and uh, um, they're offering something that's very nice and beautiful. Yeah, and no one's forcing anybody in this picture. And then, of course, when you continue on from verse 16, you know, I have come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, oh, you friends, drink uh, drink abundant, oh, abundantly, oh, my beloved. And so, you know, you read through here, very poetic, very beautiful. Um, and, you know, Paul talks about the same kind of context, concept, but with a lot less poetry. You know, Paul talks about it like your typical lawyer. <laughs> In fact, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And here you've got Paul uh, saying basically exactly the same thing. Um, but without any of the, any of the, it almost sounds like a legal contract. 
where were we? First Corinthians. We're going to First Corinthians, chapter seven. And Mon, can you read for us verse three? Verse three says, <clears throat> "The husband should fulfil his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfil her husband's needs." So there you go. Not a whole lot of romance in that, is there? Yeah, no, that's like super plain. <laughs> All right, and this is something that's interesting because sometimes in the marriage relationship, you've had um, you know either of the two uh, spouses that have used this particular passage, kind of like a weapon. Mm. The Bible says you have to fulfill my needs. You know, end of story. Um, but when you place it in the context of the Song of Solomon, you know, there's no have to do this or have to do that, is there? No, not at all. There's mutual love. There's mutual respect. There's mutual calling to each other, and um, and and you've got that loving relationship that is outlined there. Uh, Leah, can you continue on there, um, verse four, please? In Song of Solomon, or uh, sorry, in First Corinthians seven, verse four. Yep. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power over his own body, but the wife. Okay, so is the Bible here? You know, uh, sometimes people accuse the Bible of being, you know, totally man-focused. And uh, is that the kind of picture that you're getting here? No. No, no. no it's a picture of equality, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a picture that did not exist outside of, you know, Israel, Judah in those days, you know, in the ancient world. Um, it was a very masculine society. Uh, men dominated this. You know, the, your Hellenistic, your Greek society was very male-dominated. But here... Paul is saying, look, you know, you're equals in this in this whole situation. Uh, verse 5, please, Mon. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come back together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's just very practical advice. Mm, very much so. You know, the Bible is, you know, and, and Paul is super practical and super unromantic. I think we have probably found here the reason why Paul was single. Wow. If you read the way that he addresses it compared to the way that Solomon addresses it. Ah, good point. You know, yeah. Paul is super unromantic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's not very. <laughs> uh, maybe that's not the case. Um, we really have uh, very little information on uh, Paul's marriage relationship, but it seems that, um, yeah, he may have been married at one time, but definitely as a missionary, uh, he was single. Okay, how does the description of the marital marital union as knowing each, as knowing enrich our understanding of our relationship with God? You know, that's a very... Um, this is this is the way that the, the, the question is asked in the study guide. Um, does the description of the marital union as knowing? So in the Bible, the, the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had a child. Well, he did more than just know her in the way that we know each other today. Um, and so, yeah, what does that? How, how does that enrich our understanding of uh, of our relationship with God? Mm, there's a lot of silence in the in the Bible study today. Yeah, I'm past that one to Leah. Go, Leah, go. <laughs> let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read, let's read what it actually says there. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's head over there and let's understand what is it that the Bible is actually talking about in this particular uh, passage. And uh, Leah, it must be your turn. Genesis 4, 4 verse, verse 1. 1. Yes. And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. 
So there's a when, when the Bible uses the word know, and you'll find this throughout the Bible, um, it uses the word knowing somebody in reference to having sex with somebody. Mm. Why do you think the Bible uses that particular word? What is it indicating by using the word know? They like an know extreme intimacy of knowing someone. Yeah. Like you're not going to so get to know them much more than having sex with them. Yeah, so it's just knowing facts about them and talking about them, but it's having that deep relationship with them physically, mentally, spiritually. Yeah, exactly. And not, not exactly. Like That's exactly what it's about. Not the way that today would we've twisted it and be like a one-night stand where you can sleep with someone without even knowing anything about them at all. But, mm. you know, within the context of biblical sex, like to sleep with someone would mean that you knew them more than anyone else on the planet. And really what it's, what it's indicating is that sex is all about a relationship. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you look at the animal kingdom, they don't have a relationship. They just have instinct. And, and they just engage in, in, in sex with, uh, you know, whoever and, uh, uh, that, they, that they can find. But within humanity, the Bible says that sex is all about a relationship, a beautiful relationship, an intimate relationship, something that was designed by God. We're going to continue on. This is Chelsea Moon with the Franz Brothers in The Secret of His Presence.
to know the sweetness of the secret of the Lord. Go and hide beneath His shadow. This shall then be your reward. for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Life above Take this world 
You're listening to Mark Miller with Take the World, but give me Jesus here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. Are you sure you want to start a third quiz? Why not? Okay. Make it a hard one. Third quiz of the day, and we're going to have one clue, and then... you got all of five minutes to come up with an answer. And all of tomorrow, you can figure it out. Uh, so who am I? Two of my wives were Hittite women named Judith and Basimath. So that's the clue there. We're going to continue that cl- uh, that uh, quiz tomorrow morning. Lyle's written down the correct answer already, so no double prizes for that. In the meantime, it is time for our cue of the day, our question of the day time. Uh, Lyle, excellent question. And I think this one might be a bit one that worries people a little bit. Uh, the question is, what happens if you're well into your spiritual walk and you fall big time? So you know how when a Christian first comes to God and they, you know, they keep stuffing up and there's, you know, you sort of give them leeway because they're just learning the ropes. They're just getting into the rhythm of things. But then when a person is sort of on their spiritual journey for quite a while, and they then stuff up, it's always way more scandalous. So what happens then is that person lost because they knew. Like there's no way they can get away with, you know, saying, oh, I didn't know. Okay, so I'm going to look at two examples in answering this question. Uh, the first one that I'm going to consider is the example of Goma. Now, Goma is found in the book of Hosea. She was married to Hosea. And I spoke about Goma, I think, sometime last week or the week before. But I'm going to go through this story again. So Goma was born. She was the daughter of a prostitute. She grew up in the brothel, uh, abused as a young girl from a very young age, horrific life, um, and grows up as a prostitute. Uh, Hosea comes along. Hosea is the prophet. He is the, the newly appointed prophet, appointed by God to be a prophet to the northern nation of Israel. And Hosea proposes marriage to her. Now, she's an untouchable. She's somebody who can never be married within that culture. Um, she is an outcast from society, and she has the break of a lifetime. So she goes from being, you know, um, completely outcast from society to being the wife of the prophet. And you would think, you know, that's the break of a lifetime. How could you ever... Uh, Stuff it ha- up. How could you ever mess that up? Yeah. Well, she does. She messes it up epically. And I think that, you know, when we look at Goma's life, we probably forget just how broken a person she was and how broken an environment she was coming from and how much she, uh, abuse that she had suffered and how much of that, you know, trauma she has carried into this relationship. And so at some point we know that she messes up. The Bible says that they have um, a child together, and then the Bible says that, that she has two children. It doesn't say that they were Hosea's at all. The implication being that, you know, she is starting to have children out of wedlock, her life is starting to unravel, things are going badly. And typically what happens in this kind of a circumstance is when you have been a follower of Jesus, and just a full-on follower of Jesus, you know, if you've totally given your life to God, and then you just fall headlong like smack into the mud, the devil comes to you, and the devil starts to whisper in your ear, or sometimes he starts to scream to shout in your ear and say, look, you're a loser. This is who you are. You can't change. It's impossible for you to change. There's no point in trying. In fact, you've fallen this way many times before. And he will remind you about all the other times in the past that you have fallen. And he's just going to say, look, this is the way you're always going to be. So why bother trying? And really, this is the lie that he tells to Goma. And as a result of that, Goma, she just reaches the point where she just gives up. She just gives up and she walks away. She walks away from her relationship. She walks away from her children. She walks away from her husband. And she walks away from God. 
because she believes the lie that Satan told. And it's not until in her old age that Hosea comes. And in her old age, she's actually being sold as a slave. Her life has uh, come that far unraveled. And Hosea comes and he buys her back, not as a slave, but he restores her to the full position as his wife. And so you've got this redemption that is taking place here. And in that redemption, you have an illustration of how of God's attitude towards us when we fall, when we go smack in the mud like Gomer did, when we are down and out and Satan is just telling us you can never come back. God comes to us and says, look, you can come back because I bought you back. I paid for you with my own blood. Another famous story, of course, in the Bible is the story of David, a a story that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. And in David's story, you know, one of the most devout, one of the greatest followers of God that you'll find in the Bible, but somebody who committed adultery and topped it off by murdering the woman's husband and then marrying her to try and cover up the evil thing that he did. Psalms 51 um, is your homework to read um, because it is the psalm of David. It is psalm of his of him receiving forgiveness and cleansing from his sin. So if you feel that way, I want you to read Psalms fifty one today. And he walked with God from like from his youth, so he was really well into his spiritual walk when he had that fall. Absolutely, yeah, definitely yeah. a good one to read Psalms fifty one. Check that out. If you have a question and you want to ask it, you can do so anonymously. If you're embarrassed, just give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM or text your questions zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Ask us anything; we'll answer it live on air for you. Stay tuned. Disappears into the distant light, my love Don't give up on me You know I love you, but I'm just a man I don't always love you the best that I can, my love
you in the canyon flames Deep as an ocean and hot as a thousand suns We barely survived But now I wake up in a golden dream Angel voices in the rooms where the children Guys, that was Andrew Peterson with Don't Give Up On Me. And of course, God is never going to give up on us. While ever there is life, there is opportunity for us to give our lives to Jesus Christ. But we have come to the end of the show, which means that we are about to give something away. And Mon is not going to tell you what we are giving away because she had to duck out to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But Leah is still here. Yes, I'm still here. So, Leah, what are we giving away today? So, I'm going to tell you, this book is called Jesus Freaks. And I haven't personally read it myself, but it's on my list of books to read that I'm really excited to read. And it's just about um, people who have given up their life for Christ, basically, and the voice of the martyrs. Um, So, I just really would, yeah, I'm excited to read it myself, but it's just about... People who have stood up and given their life literally for Christ. Yeah, the ultimate. The ultimate, like giving up their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, um, yeah. Because we, we, we talk about surrender, but this is the ultimate surrender when you give your life up for Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing, there's no greater surrender, yeah. uh, no greater submission to God than that. Yeah, and I think it would really encourage your, your faith and help you to be more courageous for Jesus. Yeah, I've seen this book in the pile over there and I wondered what it was, but I didn't realize that that was what it was all about. And of course, we've had... Uh, Voice of the Martyrs come on here with um, you know with their ministry mm-hmm. um, and uh, and tell us about what's happening in our world and there are so many people that give their lives to Jesus Christ every day. So if you'd like a copy of that book, the number to call is one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. But right now, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We have some amazing music coming your way. You're listening to Faith FM Radio with The Breakfast Show. Moses was just a baby boy When his mama put him in a boat And the river took him home 
pretty princess But it wasn't enough Till I heard a voice from a burning bush Saying, tell old Pharaoh to let my people go free David was just a shepherd boy When the prophet said he would be king Even though he was the youngest son He heard about a giant Went to see the king Grabbed a bag of petals and he sung his sling And the rock of ages brought the mighty giant to his knees Well, you may feel a bit insignificant When you're standing next to one of those men But there was nothing special about them Until they let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand They took their stand Well, everybody else is making cheap talk It's not the size of the man that matters All that matters is the size of the rock Have you heard about the baby king? Arco's herald angels sing He was the father's only son He taught us about heaven We nailed him to the tree But in three days he was alive and free Because the heart of the rock Was mightier than the stone So the next time you feel insignificant When you're standing next to one of those men Like there was nothing special about ya Just let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand You'll take your stand While everybody else is making cheap talk It's not the size of the man that matters All that matters is the size of the rock Mighty hand Listen to me, brother, cause I'm talking to you Jesus is the only one He'll carry you through All that matters is the size of the rock